Well, hello, everyone. I'm James Dobson, and you're listening to Family Talk, a listener-supported ministry. In fact, thank you so much for being part of that support for James Dobson Family Institute. Welcome to Family Talk Weekend. I'm Roger Marsh, and thanks for making time during your weekend to take us along or to have us with you at home. Family Talk is listener-supported radio, and your partnership makes these programs possible. We have a great program for you today, so let's jump right in. Welcome today to Family Talk. I'm Roger Marsh. You know, most of us have very fond memories of our time in elementary school. So many new things to be learned, reading, writing, and arithmetic, of course. You might remember playing with friends at recess or celebrating the seasons with fun activities. And then, right out of nowhere, here comes middle school. Puberty begins, and you and your classmates are all trying to figure out your place in the world. It's a time of many changes, and middle school in today's world is even more challenging. Everything is connected through the Internet. Most kids have cell phones and mobile devices, and, well, bullying is no longer limited just to the schoolyard. It takes place in many different forms. You know, as children enter adolescence, it seems like the challenges that they're facing are somewhat insurmountable. So how do we protect our middle schoolers against the trials and tribulations that they will soon face? Well, today on this classic edition of Family Talk, we will explore the big issues and offer some helpful solutions featuring a conversation with our own Dr. James Dobson and his guests, Dr. Brenda Hunter and her daughter, Kristen Blair. Dr. Hunter and her daughter will be sharing about the book that they co-wrote entitled From Santa to Sexting, which talks about how fast kids are being pushed out of childhood. Now, since this program was originally recorded several years ago, Dr. Brenda Hunter has since gone home to be with the Lord. That happened in 2017. She was 76 years of age and is survived by her husband, Don. Dr. Brenda Hunter was an author and a practicing psychologist. She appeared on many national TV shows like The Today Show, CBS This Morning, and Larry King Live. Brenda and Don raised two grown daughters, Holly and Kristen, who you'll hear from later on in the program. Kristen Blair is an education columnist and an author. Now, I know her mom must be very proud of her. She also serves as the communications director of the North Carolina Coalition for Charter Schools. Kristen Blair is married to her husband, Greg, and together they have two children. So let's join this classic edition of the Family Talk broadcast right now, featuring Dr. Brenda Hunter and her daughter, Kristen Blair, with our own Dr. James Dobson. You know, I was thinking in preparation for this broadcast that uh, the junior high years for me were terribly difficult. And I'm not unusual in that because nearly everybody goes through that. Uh, But I've had such a happy life. I had great parents, and I I just did not uh, suffer much all the way through. And then married well, and so things have gone well for me. But those two middle school years were horrendous. Uh, Just the social pressure of the whole thing and uh, a lot of stuff I don't want to remember real well. But it's nothing compared to what today's middle school students are going through. And it, it seems at times like the culture is determined 
to warp and destroy those children and to keep them from being kids, force them into adolescence and beyond. And so we really do need to talk about this subject. And fortunately, we have some folks here who know a lot more about it than I do. A longtime friend of mine, Dr. Brenda Hunter, uh, with whom I've done a number of radio programs through the years, is back with us. Uh, Brenda, you and I have not seen each other in 11 years. Is that right? At least 11 years, yes. We left Washington, D.C., my husband and I, about 11 years ago. You have done a lot of great work through the years. And well, thank you. I, I have I admired that. you and I'm delighted to have you here. Your daughter is here with you also, Kristen Blair. And the two of you together have written a book on the subject from Santa to Sexting, helping your child navigate middle school and shape the choices that last a lifetime. Kristen, it's good to have you here. And uh, you collaborated with your mom in writing this book. That's right. Thank you. It's great to be here. And we did work on this this quite a large project together and, and uh, learned a lot about writing a book as a mother-daughter team. Now, you're a columnist. You that's write right. on this subject. I write about uh, education and for the, during the K-12 years. That's, that's right. And I've written uh, a number of articles about technology and that interface with kids in, in the K-12 years, too. So... And yeah. I'm, I'm the mother yeah. of a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old, so this so is a very So you're living personal. it as well. I am in the trenches with all yeah. those moms and dads out there. And uh, Brenda Hunter is Dr. Brenda Hunter. She's a psychologist, uh, got a Ph.D. from Georgetown University, and uh, she is also a psychotherapist in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and uh, has uh, a wonderful perspective on home life and on marriage and raising children. Uh, It's been a wonderful career for you, hasn't it, Brenda? Well, my life has never lacked a sense of meaning and purpose, I tell you. Our first show together was Where Have All the Mothers Gone? I met Mm -hmm. you in Washington, D.C., and then you commissioned my publisher to pay my way. Mm. And I think I was California. That's the first time I ever was That's on. That's where we show. did our first right. program. No, I tell you, everything I have read, uh, the work I do with people in their twenties, thirties, and forties, I'm absolutely convinced that that attachment relationship a child establishes with mother and father in that first year of life puts them on a trajectory to be emotionally secure or insecure. Mm-hmm. And we found research when we did this book in connection with bullying, actually. Well, that's a subject that greatly interests me. And, in fact, I wrote about it in my book, Bringing Up Girls, uh, because the attachment either occurs or doesn't occur early. And uh, it's why I uh, really regret the, the, the fact that many young mothers who would like to be home by choice, Mm -hmm. especially for infants and one- and two-year-olds, because that attachment is so important from that foundation. But they don't have that choice uh, because of financial uh, reasons and so on. I want to read something that is from your book, From Santa to Sexting, and uh, this is what you wrote. Not long ago, these kids were in elementary school, and some believed in Santa Claus. They were fresh and free. They rode their bikes. They brushed and braided their dolls' hair. 
and stacked Legos. They doodled, consumed delicacies from their easy-bake ovens, and memorized their math facts. Barely on the cusp of adolescence, they are now thrust into an adult world stripped bare of the parental protections afforded to previous generations. Marketers have coined the term age compression to describe the brevity of contemporary childhood. Sadly for some, childhood ends at age nine. Is that actually true? That's what we are learning in the research and in talking to some parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually attended an Internet Marketing Summit in the fall, and the keynote speaker commented, the gatekeepers of society have lost their keys. So I think from there, what we are looking at is a situation in which in too many homes, the walls that protect children have been dismantled, and we returned over and over again to this motif of the book of Nehemiah. And mm. as you know, uh, Nehemiah, who was um, cupbearer to the Persian king, went back to Jerusalem and assessed the damage uh, and found that the, the gates were burning and the walls were broken down. But what we loved about that was that he brought the people together to rebuild the walls, and people were stationed by family to rebuild these walls. And so it's our hope through this book that we can shed a light on what is going on for this age group, this, this pivotal time of life, but also to encourage and empower parents to begin to rebuild in those homes where the walls are dismantled. You know, that's one of my favorite passages in Scripture because the Jewish people had been taken into exile and they'd been there for 70 years. And finally, King Cyrus began letting them go. And Nehemiah and Ezra were two of the first that came back to Jerusalem and immediately began rebuilding. And uh, the passion of those two books, Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, is extremely meaningful for me because they were rummaging around in what was left of the temple, and they found the old scrolls uh, from Moses telling people how to live their lives, righteousness, and the principles uh, that had been in Scripture. And it so moved them that they pulled everybody together. You remember what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. They had all the people who had been returned to Jerusalem to gather, and Nehemiah stood on a, a large stand and began reading the commandments and God's word. And they were all weeping yes. because they saw again what had happened mm -hmm. to them as a culture. Mm -hmm. And I wish there was a parallel today uh, where more pastors and more school teachers and more parents would understand those old principles still apply. Mm -hmm. And we should weep before the Lord at what we're doing to our own kids. I agree. And, you know, the thing that came to us so clearly is the gates of Jerusalem are burning. The gates of the family are down. And we just feel that it's so important that the gates be rebuilt because when the gates are down, anything can go in and out of the family. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have in so many American homes. You know, we interviewed, for example, a, a principal of a Durham, North Carolina middle school who said that she buses all of her kids home to empty houses. Mm -hmm. And 
the empty house is something we don't talk about in our culture. It's sort of the elephant in the middle of the living room. But the empty house, at, at the very least, is a lonely place. At its very worst, it's a place where sex can occur, where drugs can be taken, or where just endless time can be spent you know, using me, uh, social networking devices. So we are, we're asking kids to raise themselves without parental availability, emotional availability, and physical availability. And they can't do it. They can't do it. They never have been able to do it. What we are looking at is just a revolution in terms of how kids consume media. And this has been brought about by this explosion in mobile devices. Just to provide a little bit of context in terms of time, we wondered how much time do kids in this age range use? How much how much time do kids in this age range spend with media each day? And the answer is that kids in the 11 to 14 age range are actually the heaviest media users of any group of children along the, the K-12 continuum, and they spend on average nine hours per day. So we're seeing a real sea change in terms of both the accessibility of media and the amount of time that kids are spending with it. And of course, when you bring mobile devices into the equation, those are often used uh, outside the parameters of of parental guidelines or off-site, at school, in the car, at sports practice, etc. So there's been a huge change. And isn't it true that uh, on average... Kids uh, send 3,700 texts per month. Is it per month? Right. Well, and almost, I would say, half of teen cell phone users send between 3,000 and 6,000 text messages per month. So it's, it's quite a bit of time. And you notice our title has the word sexting in it. You know, just an ordinary cell phone can be used by a child to send a nude image to a boyfriend or to a girlfriend. And there have been two very sad suicides, one of a 13-year-old in Florida. As, because what happened, she sent a nude image of her breast to her boyfriend, and he sent it to other people in the school, and it went viral, and she was shunned in her middle school, and she couldn't handle it psychologically. So she hanged herself. You talk extensively about cyberbullying in your book. Uh, talk about that to parents and what its implications are. I think we both can address that. We interviewed one principal of a middle school who said that um, when she arrives at school on Monday morning, she will find a line of parents complaining about cyberbullying, about the accusations, the hurting words that their children received through the Internet over the weekend. Cyberbullying is constant, according to the school personnel that we interviewed. That's right. They said it's the biggest problem that they deal with. This is in middle school. And it's really not all that surprising when you think about the fact that bullying peaks in middle school because of where kids are developmentally. And then so many of them have the tools of technology. So you have this sort of volatile combination coming together. And it is, uh, as we heard, something that administrators are dealing with all the time. And even if it doesn't rise to the level of cyberbullying, one father told me that his daughter was going online and she was always hearing about things that she wasn't invited to. And she was always feeling left out, just constantly. And so that that didn't even rise to the level of real persecution. Mm -hmm. Kristen, I'm sorry to interrupt, but there, there is an example in the book of you talking about your own childhood. You went through a tough time, too, didn't you? I did. 
I did. And in fact, I write about this in the book. And seventh grade was was pretty painful. Um, I was uh, a student at Sparta Junior High School in Sparta, New Jersey. And I actually had uh, this enormous orthodontic appendage called a bionator, which was a top and bottom retainer all in one. So that, that certainly didn't help matters. But uh, one day as I entered the cafeteria, I noticed that a piece of paper was passed around the table of girls with whom I ate lunch. And uh, I I discovered, as I asked the ringleader of our group, that they had voted me off the lunch table, that they had circulated this piece of paper. And that was extremely painful. I still remember. It, you mm. know, and I resonated with what you said yeah. at the beginning of the broadcast, that this this can be a really difficult time. I think the middle school, we called it junior high, it's always been a painful period. It's a it's a pivotal age, but it's a time of physical changes, hormonal changes, um, you know, when kids don't value what their parents say as much as they used to. So it, it's always been that kind of experience. But then you add on to it the layers of home invasion that we're talking about here today, and then it becomes potentially uh, really awful. I, I just want to say something that came across my desk recently. It's part of the recent CDC, the Center for Disease Control a study on youth risk and surveillance study, and it says that 25% of middle schoolers, and this is in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg County area in North Carolina, had thought seriously about suicide the preceding year, and that one out of nine said they had attempted suicide. We're having mood disorders, depression especially, escalate among kids of this age in America today. And that's great concern. You know, in my book, Bringing Up Girls, I wrote extensively about the hormonal changes that are taking place, uh, that the brain is assaulted by estrogen, speaking of girls, and testosterone, Mm -hmm. speaking of boys. And if your kids seem a little crazy, you know, they are. (laughs) They are. are. The brain has not developed yet, and it is being bombarded by these hormonal influences, and not only estrogen and testosterone, but many others as well. And so you you really do have to kind of hang on you do. during that time. And my advice as a parent is just get them through it. You're not going to straighten them out. I mean, you That's can good. sit down and have a little conversation about not being so goofy, but uh, you got to wait. That is true. And my little mantra when my girls were in middle school was, hang on, Snoopy, hang on. There was a little song for children at that time. You do. You know, it seems to me as an older parent um, that parents really have lost their, their whole sense of authority in their children's lives. This is what we heard repeatedly that parents now want to be friends, they want to be buddies, and that role reversal lives, that parents ask their children what they should do about certain things, and that children sometimes rule the roost. And then the consequence of that is that a lot of children have no respect for their parents. And what we heard repeatedly is they don't respect their teachers or the principals in their schools. They walk into the school and they say, these are my halls. These are my classrooms. I don't have to do what you tell me to do. So there's been this sort of loss of authority in the home. And we urge parents to reclaim their God-given authority with their children and to remember that they're shaping hearts and minds and souls. And as one mother we interviewed said, 
I'm going to have to stand before God someday and talk about the parenting that I've done. That's pretty heavy. That's pretty serious stuff. And it's more important than, is my kid going to be cool on Monday morning because he watched, he played a certain video game. Kristen, let's go back to what you said about not giving cell phones and other advanced technologies to kids very early. Let them get into high school. Is that your position? That's my position personally, and it's the position that the two of us take in this book. And the rationale for that is not, again, that these are bad things. These are great tools, but that kids in the 11 to 14 age range they're just not there developmentally. I think it was uh, Dr. Walsh, a psychologist, who said that in those early years of adolescence, they're ready for a NASCAR-paced adulthood, but they have the brakes of a Model T. And unfortunately, the Internet is not very forgiving for someone who has the brakes of a Model T. Once it's out there, it's It's out out there. there. And I I came across a survey uh, by Trustee, which is the top provider of online privacy seals, and they tell parents the Internet never forgets. It's very difficult once you have put something out there to get it back. And one of the things that concerns me as I write about education is safeguarding a child's digital footprint. Because some of these things for kids who overshare may come back to haunt them when they're looking for a job and even earlier when they're applying to colleges. And we see now that about a quarter of admissions officials at colleges are now looking at applicants' social networking pages. And for some kids, I think about 12 percent, this is negatively affecting their chances of getting in, which is pretty devastating if you've worked hard on your GPA and your overall resume and have made some bad choices online. You're telling me that what a child has done on Facebook is available there and can be accessed by uh, admissions officers? That's true. Uh, now, kids, some oh, kids use privacy goodness. settings, so they're restricting the audience that can view their information. I think we see about two-thirds of kids use privacy settings. That means about one-third of teens do not use them at all. But here's something that got me, which was 60% of kids use the privacy controls to conceal information from certain friends, including their parents, and that about 42% accept friend requests from strangers. You know what? Our time is gone. We are going to have to end the program today. The title of the book is From Santa to Sexting, and it is written by Dr. Brenda Hunter and her daughter, Kristen Blair, and the subtitle is Helping Your Child Safely Navigate Middle School and Shape the Choices That Last a Lifetime. I do hope that our listeners will get a copy of this. If you have a child in that age range, you owe it to yourself to get this book and read it, understand it, and uh, apply it. Uh, Thank you all for writing it, for being with us. Uh, There's going to be a lot of folks out there who will really be appreciative of what they've heard. So, Thank you so much for for having us. We must keep our children and grandchildren in our prayers, especially our middle schoolers. They are facing more and more perilous issues that are sometimes beyond what they should have to deal with and at doing so at such a delicate and vulnerable age. 
You've been listening to a conversation featuring our own Dr. James Dobson, the late Dr. Brenda Hunter, and her daughter, Kristen Blair, here on Family Talk. If you'd like to share today's program with a friend or a loved one, or give it another listen yourself, simply visit our website at drjamesdobson.org forward slash family talk. That's drjamesdobson.org forward slash family talk. Thanks for remembering that Family Talk is a listener-supported ministry. If you find value in our programs, consider partnering with us to protect the sanctity of the family. Every dollar you donate enables us to equip parents, educate kids, and strengthen marriages and families. Now, if you'd like to make a contribution, just visit drjamesdobson.org. That's drjamesdobson.org. You can donate securely right there on our homepage. Or if you prefer, you can make a contribution over the phone. The number to call is 877-732-6825. Our customer care team is standing by ready to speak with you and to receive your gift and answer any questions you might have. Again, that number to call is 877-732-6825. Now, if you prefer, you can also send a donation through the U.S. mail. Our ministry mailing address is the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute, P.O. Box 39000, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the zip code 80949. If you're writing that down, here it is again, the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute, P.O. Box 39000, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the zip code 80949. From all of us here at the JDFI, please know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. And we always love to hear from you as well. That's probably the best gift we can receive, your feedback and your connection to us. You can always send us your prayer requests, your comments or questions, either online, over the phone or through the mail. I'm Roger Marsh. And on behalf of Dr. Dobson and all of us here at the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute, thanks for listening. Be sure to join us again next time right here for another edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. This has been a presentation of the Dr. James Dobson Family Institute.